Hello and welcome to episode 980 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Tuesday, September 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined today by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. How you doing? I'm well. Two weeks left. Yeah. How are we living? It's, uh, it's coming down to the wire. Uh, I, I'm excited to take home some championships and I'm fighting out some other leagues as well. And we're, we're in our first mock draft of 2022. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's been fun though. It's, it's it really has. And, yeah. and the, I'm sure it's like this every year and we get caught up on the here and now, but it is why it's so wide open and it does feel more wide open again. Maybe it's just the, the here and now that I'm dealing with versus I can't put myself back in previous September, October drafts, but it does feel crazy wide open right now. Yeah, and I will talk about it here uh, more in depth here in a sec. But uh, it, it's been a really fun exercise. And uh, for those of you who are uh, who do subscribe to the Patreon, my my twenty twenty two pitcher ranks are up. Let's go. Uh, and I'll be continuing to tweak those over the next week and getting my hitter ranks done as well. So uh, that was a fun exercise as well. And I don't know if you saw me tweet it out on on Twitter, but uh, pitching super deep. No, well, we talked about oh, it on right, yeah. chat. Yeah, you had told me, and you know, you were finding that it was remarkably deep. I think Nick Pollock was saying the same. Is that something that we feel at the end of every year? Now that we kind of know the lay of the land, but then it just takes an off season and then a rash of injuries in March and April to turn it upside down again before it settles. Like, is this just the same cycle every year, or or has there really been a, a, a measure of depth added via youth or the fact that fewer innings, uh, you can be more, you can be impactful with lower innings totals? What do you what do you ascribe to the depth being added? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a lot of guys who took big steps forward. I think the the dead and ball has something to do with it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then a lot of guys who have been kind of mainstays or guys we really liked coming into the year that may be disappointed that we're not willing to give up on. Uh, True. You know, because like there's the, the Zach Gallons and the Jack Flaherty's. Like, are these guys still top 30 pitchers? Um, but then you got to put in the Logan Webbs and the Trevor Rogers and the Luis Garcias and, and guys like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think the combination of those two things makes makes it feel like pitching is really, really thick this season. Um, and uh, and it, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, when we talk about our teams, like I kind of just punted starting pitching in this mock draft just to kind of see what what it would look like as we got later in the draft. But uh, well, would you look at that? The both of us have done that. Exactly. So that's gonna yeah, someone, create... made a, someone made a comment in the sixth round is like 19 pitchers or 20 pitchers had gone and sleeper in the bus to take in one. Yes. So. We, uh, we, we, you know, and I can't even say I was fully influenced by your comment until I was looking at the second starter I was going to take. I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to test Justin's theory here. And obviously you were testing your own. Uh, rankings. So I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to let it roll a little bit and we will get into that. I want to cover a couple things up at the top before we dive in. Um, so let's go ahead and do that because obviously there's still so much going on. There's, there's guys being pulled back for uh, innings limits and injuries happening, but we had a debut, a late debut and it finally happened. Uh, we were kind of waiting on this one for a while and I'm, I, I 
I can never figure out this team as, as much as I appreciate the way they are able to find success and the different things that they, they can do. I think they take pride in not being able to be figured out because who knows why Shane Boz took forever to get called up considering the fact that their starting pitching has been so, you know, uncertain throughout the year and the fact that he's having a great year. So they bring him up when his debut is going to be against Toronto. So of course I advised everybody to not use that. And I stand by that, uh, you know, by, by that recommendation could have easily been a three inning dud or even three good innings, but I just didn't think five strong is what we were going to get. That's exactly what happened. Five innings, two runs uh, on a couple of solos with two hits allowed. Those were the only two hits he allowed. No walks, five strikeouts. He was great. Cops the win. And now all of a sudden, are they going to have the double Shanes atop their rotation in the bullpen? I don't know. Um, what did you think of Shane Boz's debut? I watched a little bit of it this morning because I was out last night, so I didn't get to see it. But he was as imp- impressive and as advertised, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he has three three legit pitches and uh, good enough command um, of all of them. I think that he's going to be uh, really, really effective. Like, I just as advertised is, is, God, I think the way I've heard a lot of people put it, and I think that's right. Um, even the two home runs, like, they weren't necessarily bad pitches. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know. You, and it's, you know, it's Teoscar and, and Lourdesker, like, anybody in that lineup, you're not, like, ashamed of getting up home runs to. Teoscar's been brilliant this year. My God, has he exceeded my expectations. I talked a little bit about it offline. I was concerned about him this year. I'm taking a fat L on, on Teoscar. I said, I'm not, not paying that price because of the skills of last year's quote unquote season in those two months, I said, we could just, it could have just been a Teoscar hot streak. Turns out he actually improved his skills this year. And so anybody who did buy in based off last year, big hit for, for them. Love that Teoscar has been doing well, but I was definitely on the wrong side of that. But yeah, Boz handled that lineup, five strong innings. Obviously, he's probably picked up in a lot of leagues, but he's going to be able to go this Sunday in NFBC leagues because he, he wasn't available there. I mean, do you just go all out to try to get next week's start, whatever it is? Because, I mean, I'm not going to ask you for a dollar count. It doesn't – everything's so uh, situational that who cares about that? But is he somebody that you see um, he's going to be set up – well, I don't know who he's set up he's to face. Houston. Oh, okay, he's set up to face Houston. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So – well, no, and that depends if they give him a start this at the end of the weekend here. If they give him I a two-start week, do well, then that'd be the Yankees that he gets in Yankee Stadium. Either way, the last week is difficult at Houston at the Yankees. So whatever it is, is he somebody that uh, you think can be a, a guy you want in the last week there? Um, if you're in the middle or even protecting, or is this a chase-only play with Shane Boz? This feels like a chase-only play. Um, but, man, he was he was so good against the best lineup in baseball, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto, that like I, I don't feel like you can fade him anywhere. Uh, I still worry about a low innings count. And, that, and that's my that's biggest my concern, biggest too. Like if, you're, if you're searching for wins or you're searching for quality starts you probably want to go a different direction. But Mm -hmm. if you're just looking for a damn good pitching performance, I have a hard time fading Shane Boss at this point. Um, Yeah, I think I would. I'm going to throw all my fab on him in a couple leagues Mm -hmm. for sure. uh, Just to try to to grab him. 
uh, and, and get him in my lineup for the last week of the season. But uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up being ranked coming into and 2022 because it's, it's going to be super, super high. I think that'll depend on the playoffs as well. Um, because now, now I don't know. I know he's pitching in the middle of September, but there are so many funky rules for how you can get out. I don't believe he's eligible for the postseason. Okay, so they're not even going to be able to finagle it. Okay, this is well, why that, it was so weird. Like, yeah, that that's what I'm saying. They didn't bring him up like the last week of August just so he would be you, eligible. You usually have to be up, but again, I still think there's probably an out with an injury that they can that they can basically cheat it. I don't know, but. Let's assume he is just for the sake of this discussion here. We'll go both is and isn't. If he is and Shane Boz pitches well in the playoffs, even as like a hybrid two, three inning role type guy in the middle, how much do you think that adds to his uh, to his ranking there? You mentioned that you did your rankings. Where did you end up putting him? I put him outside of my top 100 because I did my ranks prior to seeing him pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally am moving him as we speak. And <laughs> again, you can see this doc, you know, he edited live on yeah. the Patreon. I wonder uh, if anybody's ever been in there while either of us are. Hard, they absolutely like, have been editing. in there while I'm editing stuff because you can see the little, you know, pop up. The little fake, an- yeah, the anonymous. <laughs> the little avatar uh, or whatever part. it is. Yeah. yeah. I just moved him up to 59. Wow. So you put some big juice on him. Um, and that has him kind of behind Sonny Gray, Zach Greinke, and Ian Anderson. Would a playoff run push that, or is that about the max, even with like 12 to 15 good playoff innings for Shane Bott? He could probably push up, but it's going to be hard, man. It's like I said, I mean, like I, I just said, Sonny Gray, Zach Greinke, Ian Anderson, yeah. they're in my 50s. Yeah, and if we only get this start and then whatever next week, does that – what will will you do you envision like not souring on him but like okay the hype's coming down a little bit I will I will smooth him out closer I don't think to the going to come down I think the hype is okay. I don't think any I I think he could give up seventy four home runs in his next mm-hmm. start and the hype will still be there um yeah I just I have a hard time like like I I could see him moving up like into like the high. 50 or low 50s you know like 50 like i have logan gilbert at 51 mm-hmm. i can't imagine pushing him up above logan gilbert yeah i don't think i would either um i, I really like like that. i can move him above uh yoscar onoa or christian javier um or kyle gibson but i mean maybe he makes it into the 40s into my top mm-hmm. 50 um, but like I've got guys like Aaron Savali just inside my top fifty, uh, Anthony Descalfani just inside my top fifty, Lance McCullers. Like these are guys like they're just inside the top fifty. This is what I mean. Like it, pitching is deep. By the way, while I'm taking L's, Christian Javier, I was wrong. Yeah, I thought he was. I I, I would have bet so much on it. I was getting him in leagues. I was, you know, practicing what I preach. I was going out there picking him up, thinking he has to get in the rotation. I thought, no way does Luis Garcia make it to the finish line as a starter. And here we are. I mean, I don't, you know, this is basically the finish line. Even if he got pulled out this week, I wouldn't say, ha ha, I told y'all. Because I was thinking like August. So 
it, it's the, uh, you know, add some extra L's to the end of my name there because my God, uh, Teoscar being a, being a beast and improving and uh, Luis Garcia making it all the way. You know, it's kind of a Manoa situation, but at least with Manoa, they said, we're not putting any reins on him. Houston never said anything. That's kind of their MO, though, is to be quiet about these things. And uh, they got Luis Garcia to the finish line. They're going to be a problem in the, uh, in the playoffs, though. They have a lot of pitching depth. Let me ask you one non-fantasy-related thing with regards to the Rays. Can they get through the playoffs with this pitching? Do, do you need reliable starters? Or have we seen, with all the bullpenning and everything in the playoffs and how important bullpens have been, can an entire bullpen staff essentially, which is what they have, can, can that get you through? Because they can make changes in between uh, series. So they can, you know, cater their first lineup to uh, their first rotation to whoever uh, they're facing there. And maybe they go higher lefties versus righties. Then in the next series, they face so-and-so. So they bring on two other guys. Like, is it enough? Or will this eventually catch up to them? Who, um, I think if any team can do it, the Rays can do it. But it's fair. I think championships are won with pitching. But they have good pitching. They just don't have good starting pitching. Good starting pitching. And I just worry in a seven game series, will will they run out of arms? Yeah, will they run out of arms? Um, the tough part is too, and it's like I know we don't see guys go seven, eight, nine regularly. It's not old school playoffs. We know that. But having everybody go two to three, you need so many guys to be good every day. Mm-hmm. Like every day. That's hard. That's what um, I've heard, you know, former players that are doing color commentary when they're talking about the, uh, and I think this is actually a Smoltz take from a few years ago that I first heard it. And I know we, we get after him a lot for different things. And I think that's well-founded. But I think one thing that he, he's been sharp on is this is when you do the bullpen thing, you need six guys to be on that day, or maybe one can be off if he's not too far off. But if you start getting three or four guys who don't have it, you're in deep trouble as opposed to getting five, six innings from one guy. And then only three guys after that type of deal. So there's just so much youth in this rotation. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 22 year old Patino, 24 year old Shane uh, McClanahan, uh, 20 year old Boz. Again, I don't know the boss. Yeah, we don't know that he can get in there. I yeah. think you said that he can't. I don't believe he can. I and I don't based on normal of starting on September twenty first, you can't. But I've had guys before where I'm like, oh, he won't be on the playoffs, and then he is because there's like loopholes. So I will just say that we don't think Boz can be there, but I'm not going to fully rule it out until I'm in October seeing that he can't be on the roster. But anyway, yeah. So I, I was just curious what you thought about whether or not they'd be able to get through. Um, I kind of agree with you on the uh, if one team can. You know, they're, they're the team. But I think it will be it will be tough. Anyway, let's move on and talk about Carlos Ferdon. He left his start with arm soreness. And he's been, you know, he's been kind of whatever, down the stretch a little bit where they've been protecting some innings, a little bumps here and there. I think they're protecting him more than anything, though. I think the first thing that comes up, they're like, okay, Shut it down right now. We need you for October too much. So I'm reluctant to get too hung up on that, um, that he came out after three innings yesterday against the Tigers. He still had six strikeouts. Do you see this as a a long-term problem that's going to affect them in October with Carlos Rodon? Um, 
He, I don't know. I honestly don't. I mean, they, Tony Larusa sounded pretty concerned in post game uh, interviews. Not that sure he, they sure he wasn't just lit. He could have been just lit. I mean, why wouldn't you be, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I was saying last night on a po- on on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast that like uh, I think they just you know they're, he's just running a gas. Like they, they they this was all icing on the cake with Rodon. They did not expect True. to get any of this, and like the idea that like, some people have been like, well, they should have they should have you know took it easy on him at the beginning of the season so he was ready for the end of the season. No. It's like no you. This yeah. was you've not had no idea you were getting this out of him. You you take all the bullets when you get them. Uh-huh. He helped build this cushion that they have exactly. now to be a little bit cautious with him because if you look, only two starts in August due to an IL stint. Um, he's been getting spread out left and right in, ter- in between his starts in September. That's why I view this more as like, yes, he is running out of gas and they very much know it. So they're they're using a few drips of gas here down the stretch in September so that they can hopefully get that last quarter tank in October. Um, I will say, though, down to 93 miles an hour in, his, in two of his last three starts, 94 in the, in the start in between that when he was living 96, 97 throughout most or 95, 96 throughout most of the year. So he's down a bit uh, in velo for Rodon, having a little arm soreness. I don't think it's necessarily a, a huge deal. Um, I do think that they're just playing it very, very cautiously with him, which is smart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they should just pretty much shut him down rest of the season and, and see what they get from him in the postseason. I mean, he is a free agent at the end of the year. I'll be interested to see. I hope he finishes strong wherever he, you know, whether Me it's too. in the postseason or reg season, so that way he can get a paid in the off season. Um, where, where does he go for you? He went seventh round in the in the draft, very first pick of the seventh round, the third starter for that team that had Cole that they took number one overall, and then Freddie Peralta is seventh round of a fifth of a twelve teamer. Is that too early for you with uh, Rodon? I don't think it's too early. I have him as my 24th starting pitcher right now. That's going to move down. Okay, I was going to say that's pretty that's pretty yeah. you know juicy. That mm-hmm. that that you know really uh Yeah, even says just that looking like at it him. now, I'm going to move him outside of my top. He's going to move to like the back end of the top 30, maybe outside of the top 40. Okay. Um, I think that's I think that's fine. So, uh I just think we just don't know health-wise where he's going to be at next year. Yeah, uh, and that's been the biggest I was surprised issue. that he went that late, though. Well, I wonder if it's if it's based on how he's been finishing. Yeah, I think I'm it sure is, it is, actually, yeah. because, you know, if we had done one of these, say, in uh, July at the All-Star break or something, he's a third, fourth rounder. I'm not saying that would have been right, but he absolutely would have. I think he and Robbie Ray would have traded spots. Ray was still a little uncertain with what he like he was he was in this surge already but he was still a home run guy so like let's just say we'd have done this at the all-star break uh ray went at the end of the third rodon at the beginning of the seventh i think they'd essentially have traded spots at that point um but yeah it's that's another thing about this pitching market though too there's so many guys who've come out of nowhere to really jump two three levels and uh it's going to be interesting to see what their prices are so that's rodon I wouldn't cut him right now until I got word that he's not going to start next week, just in case. But um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll ease up on that a little bit. If you're desperate and you need every roster spot you can get, I don't hate it. 
because he might only get three or four innings next time out on purpose too. Yeah, I'm probably going to drop him. And I mean, the beauty of that is, is there won't be another fat period. So you can, no one else will get him. What about dailies? Would you drop him today? Like right now for somebody? If I needed it. Yeah. Because I yeah, think there's I, a reasonable chance he doesn't pitch again this season. Yeah, I think I'd play a little bit looser with it. That I'm, 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 I'm pulling back on what I what I said originally. I, I would play pretty loose with it, and and be more apt to cut him, especially in tens and twelves, where the pool might be a little bit more robust for you to pick somebody up with Carlos Rodon. All right, Salvador Perez is a boss. That's what you put on the rundown. That's all you really need to say. This guy's been a god, and I think he's going to be on a lot of winning teams. When you're getting 46-115, which aren't just leading catchers, those are leading baseball. And and he's hitting 276. When you're getting that out of catcher, that's unbelievable. 621 plate appearances this year. Yep. I mean, he's played a full like position players. I know he is a position player, but you know what I mean? A full non-catchers season here. And he's been an absolute monster. What's this do for his value next year? Where does he start to go? Because we know catcher's still light. And that this year there was like a few halves, you know, three, four guys that people would be interested in. And then a big drop to the glob in the middle there. And then a lot of people even punting. Um, He went third round in the mock. Is that where he's going to live? Do you believe in Sal Perez? uh, Or is this just a career year at age 31 that you don't want any part of paying the the full freight for next year? I won't pay the full freight. I'm just not going to invest a second or third round pick in a catcher, you know. Not not a 32 year old catcher with yeah. this much mileage either. Person. No, I just, um, and I, I think I would rather, you know, one of the things I talked about with Dave last night on on the Friends Fancy Benefit spot is there are going to be a lot of guys that I target at catcher in the National League next year because we assume the National League will get the DH with the new CBA. You um, is. Yeah, I, I do assume it. You still think this? I still year, think it's gonna happen. I, there's a chance. I think there's a may. chance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but like, I'm gonna target like the Tyler Stevensons, the Austin Nolas, the, the Dalton Varshows, um, the Travis Darnos, uh, the the guys that will pick up extra at bats uh, at DH um, as catchers. Uh, I think that's going to be my main catcher strategy for next season. Yeah, um, I mean, I like pretty much that whole group there. I'm not as much of a Darno guy, but the general point that you're mm-hmm. talking about is is the important thing. And I agree, and I I, I am with you that you know because I was with you pretty much the whole way on the DH thing until late in spring training. But I do think that they are going to get it done when they are doing the CBA with the haggling this year. Probably going to be an utter nightmare, and I uh, am not really excited to see how all of it plays out. But I think the net result will be DH in the National League. Uh, but yeah, with Perez, you know, again, he's going to be 32. This is so easily a career year. I just, I, I will not pay it. I will respect what he's done this year. It's not to say that he's not been excellent this year, but I don't get any of those home runs and ribbies to take with me the following year. And, you know, I will say that this isn't just a this year thing. He had 11 homers in 37 games last year with the same or or very similar, I should say, gaudy homer to fly ball rate that Perez had. He had a a 26% last year. He's at 28% this year. So he kind of started this last year. It just probably wasn't fully noticed because it was two months. And we were like, well, it's a two month run. Let's not 
pretend that this is who he is with a, uh, you know, 48 homer pace, but he went 48, one, 140 was his pace last year. And he's at 46, 115. Like he's just been monstrous. I do think that third round ADP is about where he'll live. And, um, you know, I think you'll get high twenties homers, but you better hope he can stay healthy. And he's been a workhorse. He's been an absolute horse, but he did miss all of 2019 due to injury. So it's not like yeah, he's... but wasn't that an elbow? Yeah, I mean it was uh, Tommy John, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I like I mean, that's I... wear and tear from catching, though. Mm, yeah, but I'm more worried about like knee issues usually. Well, those could start up too. Like I, concussions. I just, um, I'm not gonna pay for him. I'm not gonna pay the price either. There's like no I just, chance. I I can never rational or very rarely can rationalize paying a top fifty price on a catcher. Correct. Um, it and, would have to be somebody like, sorry, I didn't I thought you were done there. It'd have to be somebody like Real Muto with his speed. And even he, you know, has been pretty. He'll be a guy I'll be interested to see where he goes in drafts next year because with a DH coming, he has more opportunities to, again to play full time. He's not even gone in the mock. Sal is the only one, yeah. and we're in the late seventh round. Yep. So that's kind of interesting there. Speaking of that mock transition, let's talk about it. So we got into this. Uh, you mentioned it's gonna be like a five round, five rounder for the weekend. But then we were all kind of like, "Hey, we can just going. keep going." Yeah. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're in the seventh round. I don't know if we're gonna finish it or if we're just kind of fizzle out in the teens. Who knows? I got a length in my list. I'll tell you that. Uh, you had the fifth, sixth pick, mm-hmm. and I had the seventh. So um, you had the eighth. Eighth. Counting is hard. Yeah. Math is um, math is difficult. It's just really, really difficult. Yeah, I would have been right next to you if I had the seventh. Cool brain. We'll talk about my team first, and then we'll get to yours, even though you picked sooner. Um, I went with Mookie Betts in the first round. Not the uh, flashiest, right? It looked like uh, I would say all the picks before mine were more flash-based, and I don't say that to like denigrate them. I'll say all those guys had their great mega years that you're buying in on. Um, in those in those players, whereas I'm kind of buying like, oh, steady old Mookie. You know, it was not top of the scale. He only played 110 games so far, but I still feel very comfortable with him as a first rounder. Did you agree with that move, or did you think I should have gone elsewhere? No, I'm totally fine with that move. Like, I, it's weird that he's the not flashy. I know <laughs> player. Kind of like the boring pick. Uh. I mean, there's some interesting guys who are still on the board. You know, For Acuna. Sure. It was wide open. Yeah, yeah I Acuna's Acuna, still on the board. I looked at Harper. Yep. Yeah, I mean. Oh, it... let's pile on another L. Bichette. <laughs> he ran. Okay. Yeah, he did run. Again, this is again, here's the thing. I'll take L's. I, I got no problem because when you're wrong, you're wrong. I stand by the analysis, though. And, like, I, I'm not trying to hedge the loss. The loss is the is the loss. But he was eight for thirteen in the majors, and I, I I'd seen it with guys like Jock Peterson and George Springer, who I fell for and I was very gung ho about. And I was like, Are we doing the same with Bo Bichette? Be careful. I don't know if he's a runner in the majors. And then he goes twenty two for twenty three and says, Shut up, you stick you stick man of a dork, and then <laughs> shoved me on the ground. So yeah, fat fat wrongness on him. He went a couple picks later. Harper went after me. I know it's. It, I don't think Betts is the only guy to take there. It's kind of an open deal, but I really like Mookie, and so I just went. Uh, I went with him there. I backed it up with Max. So I went with two Dodgers, neither 
super flashy because Max is older and, and Betts has, hasn't been peak self this year. But then my third round pick was probably the best one of the draft. What'd you think? I hate you. <laughs> I mean, I I made a decision not to take Cedric Mullins. I figured you wanted to kind of see where he was. Yeah, going. I didn't want to influence the draft. And uh, I mean, you know, we'll talk about my team here in a minute, but I had already taken an outfielder. So didn't didn't stop me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, Cedric Mullins third round. That's uh, the third. And I felt, I felt really good about it too. It, you know, everyone's like, oh, you did that to, to tweak Justin. I was like, nah, 32 that's overall. That's, that's, uh, that's a heavy price for, for my boy. Who's who it, it is, is one home run away from a 30, 30 season off of this season. And, and these skills, how can you not? No, I, I, I'm right. I'm with you there. I you think. know, like, like, let's let's try to devil's advocate a bit, though. Where where does it go wrong here? What what, what do you think? What what do you think it? Where could it go wrong if this doesn't work out? If it, would it just be a straight regression back to previous years, or are we pretty much like we have to get? Like, 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 is the floor raised a good bit too? That even if he didn't pan out, it wouldn't be a meltdown, but it yeah, would be more think, like a mo- mediocre season. I think you look at the skills that he's put up this year, and and look at him like a, by a month by in month by month blocks. Um, there's no reason to think like this completely falls apart. Like, right? Um, yes, maybe there's some regression to the mean. Maybe he's more of a 270 hitter as opposed to a 300 hitter. Maybe he is a guy who isn't going to hit 30 home runs next year. You know, maybe he's more of a 15 homer guy. I think the speed sticks around, but like, isn't then at worst, like he's Starling Marte, mm-hmm. um, who went ahead of him in this draft. Mm-hmm. Well, because he's been out of his yeah. freaking gourd this year too, especially since joining Oakland. So, like, I mean, even if he's a fifteen thirty guy with a two seventy batting average, that's still a third rounder, and probably a second rounder. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both pretty interesting there, though, with uh, Mullins and and Marte, because like. You know, Marte exploded in steals with Oakland when others, you know, when there was some concern that he might slow down because they don't run much, but they just haven't had runners. I think it was more of that than anything else. And will he be overdrafted based on that? Because he's he's also going to go to a new spot. Mm, I I don't think he will be. I think think he's just been underdrafted his entire career. That's fair. I mean – 45 steals, a 311 average, only 11 homers. He's never been a huge power guy, but he has a couple 20s on his on his ledger. Um, he'll be 33. I think team will influence it a bit, but I can't mm-hmm. see him going much lower than the third round. Um, and then Mullins, yeah, on the rise. Mullins will go in some second rounds. It won't he be should. always, but I think that'll be his high. Do you think anybody deigns to take him in the first? Somebody will, yeah. I mean, he's... Like I said, he—he he, I mean, he's a homer away from a thirty-thirty season. Like it, um, and there's what? No, I don't think there are any other thirty-thirty players this year. Mm, yeah, because I mean, how many guys even have thirty steals? Yeah, so I mean, and and the guys that would do it, Acuna, Trout, well, not Trout, he hasn't been running as much, but Betts, like guys like that, they they're hurt. Uh, yeah, Tatis I mean, needs five steals. Ramirez needs yeah, six. six. Yeah. 
So that's I mean, theoretically, there could be, but right now it's it's going to be Mullins, you know, and that's it. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, eight homers for Trey Turner. He could get there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then I went. Uh, I stayed on the hype train after you know two quote unquote boring guys. I went Mullins and then Wander Franco in the fourth, and I'm definitely curious your thoughts on that one. Actually, I'll, I'll give mine real quick. I'll give the reasoning behind the pick, and then you can slice it and dice it. Um, basically, I. I thought for sure it was my last chance to get him uh the development that we've seen just over the over the 62 games that he's played has been super impressive i think that's going to be one of his best prices that fourth that late i agree late fourth round pick that, i think yeah. he'll go in the third consistently so that's why i felt like hey this is the great time to get him he won't make it back and uh you know it's obviously not based off of just the 62 games he, the, the sky's the limit next year, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think he's going to go in the second round of drafts and a lot of drafts. I don't know if, if I don't know if his ADP will be in the second round necessarily, but I think it's going to be pretty close to that. Uh, I don't know that I will pay that price. Um, what are your, What are your concerns? Um, my concern is uh, just uh, <clears throat> there's not going to be enough power, though the power is been surprisingly good like i've been i've been surprised by how how hard he hits the ball Mm -hmm. it's a 180 iso so it's not crazy it's like uh, you know some power um will he run enough i don't think he's gonna run a ton that'd be my bigger concern about taking him in the second because i feel like 20 something homers a big you know great average tons of runs decent ribbies i'm there but like to really make him that second rounder I would need to feel more confident in the steals, and I I don't. He's two for three in these 62 games. He was five for nine in the minors uh, this year. He was nine uh, four for nine in 2019 at, at high A. So he's never been great uh, as a base stealer. I don't think that's a huge part of his game, even though he has great raw speed. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, just kind of doing some, like, back of the – napkin math like on where i would probably project him i'm thinking like low 20s home runs eight or nine stolen bases mm-hmm. and then the batting average is really what carries him like i think he that, could hit 300 um, that's the thing and 300 with 100 plus runs and so that's why a lot of people are going to cite negativity on second third maybe even fourth round adp for franco because they're just going to cite his homers and ribbies or homers and and stolen bases and it's going to be really short-sighted to not you have to include the average and runs Mm -hmm. and those two categories can be overlooked and i know average is volatile but i think he's at worst like a 275 which is still very good in today's game i mean i think he is what i comped him to uh Prior to the start of the season, which is like I think he's DJ LeMahieu. I'm cool with that. Which is I mean, yeah, I totally I don't this. have a problem with that. Like I don't know that I'm going to be paying the price for it, but that's what I think he is. Sorry for the hard veer, but you brought him up. Where the hell does he go next year? 33 years old, didn't really hold up to what he now last. It, you know, it was 50 games last year, but. I think people are pretending that that was his only good year. He was amazing in 19. So yeah. he had a year plus of excellence. It was a, a 195 games if you add the two up. Um, it wasn't just a two-month j- jump, but he really came down this year. The BABIP was down to 303. 
kept him to a 270 average. He had the same homers as he did last year, but 3x the amount of games with 10 homers. And so 78 runs. Does LeMahieu, I mean, he hasn't gone in this draft yet. Does he? Is he a top 10 round pick? I think he's probably towards the back end of that. Um, well, I mean, top 10 round in a 12 team or no? Okay, because we're we are we are doing a ten or a twelve team mock in a fifteen teamer. Yes. Okay. I think yeah, he's that, around that... pick like one forty one fifty. Okay. Um, but I think that I offers a lot that, of upside. I would. Yeah, take. I'll pay. I'll pay that all day. Yeah, especially because he's going to retain all three of those positions. He's going to have first, second, and third next year. That's excellent. And then you know, even the two seventy he got this year, like I just said, that's still very good. And that's kind of the downside that I would think from from Franco in terms of a batting average. And then when I say downside, it's barring the obvious, like, you know, injury or just a complete meltdown. I'm talking within the the range of outcomes of a full season. Where do I really think he can line, line up? I think, you know, 265 to 275 would be the low end on the average. Um, but I like Franco. I took him in the fourth. Then I went Muncie, Presley, and Buxton. So Betts, Scherzer, Mullins, Franco, Muncie, Presley, Buxton. Got my ace closer in Presley. Um, only have the one started with Max. Took the gamble on Buxton. I didn't think I had to pay that much for Muncie's great season either. Fifth round feels fine to me, even if he comes back down to where he's been, which is you know thirty something homers with a uh, with a two fifty average. I guess that's actually where he is. Uh, the average came way down. He's down to two fifty two now. He was tracking much higher, but he's had a great great year, and uh, I'll take that again from Muncie. What do you think of my overall team, top to bottom? I like your team a lot. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, oh, you know, we're only going to see three more rounds each um, unless we keep going after that. <laughs> um, which, but which, I, we, which we may. I, I could definitely see yeah. us saying, eh, let's just keep it going. Yeah. Uh, no, I, li- I like your team a lot. I um, uh, You definitely uh, took Muncie. I was hoping to get Muncie maybe on the wraparound. Um, I, I, you know, I did take Kimbrell. After you took Presley, and I would have taken Kimbrel above Presley, but uh, Fair. I love Presley a lot, and I think the Buxton, like Buxton, one of these years will stay healthy. <laughs> and and, and again, I, I, you know, it, at that point, we're taking picks that that we're trying to gamble on a little bit. That round has seen Rodon, Yelich, Flaherty, Meadows. I think even to a degree, the three starters, Rogers, Gar- Luis Garcia, and Logan Webb are gambles in their own right in that they're not guaranteed mm-hmm. and they went there. So the seventh round outside of Arenado, who's kind of a set it and forget it steady guy. Uh, the rest are kind of gambly type picks. So I'll gladly take that speed upside there. And um, you I know, didn't need hold- the speed. No, you absolutely did not. We will get into that. But you you really didn't. So Buxton didn't need to be on your list there. You, you are the one who took Trevor Rogers. So let's uh, let's transition into your squad here. At the six pick, you open with Otani. Take us from there on, and uh, and let's uh, let's discuss this team. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much Otani I will have next year because um, I don't know that I'll be able to pull the trigger on him, him <laughs> in the first round like this every time. I, I'll gladly but, pay that. I, I I love that you got him at six. I wanted to. I mean, one, I didn't think he'd make it to me at six, but two. Uh, I, I wanted to see what my team would look like um, mm-hmm. uh, after drafting a guy like Otani. Uh, I mean, power, speed, you know, the ability to pitch and hit. Um, yeah, just, just just too good. Um, 
So he's, yeah, he's so great. And here's the thing too: we talk about how you only have the one starter, the one traditional starter, Rogers. You have Otani as well, though. And if your offense really goes off, you will find yourself in some positions where you may maybe getting some of Otani's pitching innings because you're like, hey, my offense is crazy. Let me slot him in for a couple weeks and get some get some big strikeouts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so from there, you go power speed stud. Yeah, I want Kyle Tucker. Um, I mean, he's just kind of delivered on everything uh, that we thought he could, uh, even after just an atrociously slow start to the season, right? Like mm-hmm. really, really, um, and it was really just unlucky. He just he was getting babipped uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think he in the second half, I believe he's hitting three forty three with eleven home runs and six stolen bases. Holy smokes! Yeah, That's, he's going to be uh, a first round pick. Like, That's incredible. I, I got him here at um, I don't know his pick. Uh, I think twenty or pick nineteen. He will mm-hmm. not be going that late in drafts. This will be the last time I, I see Kyle Tucker in the second round. Um, he's he's going to be a first round pick and deservedly so. Yeah, I, th- I love Kyle Tucker. Um, I was, I mean, I think it's a great pick. Like you said, he's panned out on everything that we had hoped for with him. 26 homers, 13 for 15 on the bases, 296 average. Uh, great call out about how he started slow and there was, you know, chatter about overrated this and that. Here's the thing. You identified it, though. He hit 181 in April, but he still had five homers and two steals. Like, when he was making contact and things were going his way, he was still delivering on those categories. 164 BABIP that month. Yeah, he like, had, there should have I been remember no it because I kept writing little like blurbs and stuff on him. Like, he's going to turn around. Like, his ex-batting yeah. average is 280. His ex-batting average is 275. Like, it's you know, like he's gonna he's gonna be fine, and and he has been, and he's he's been great. So um, he's been a monster. I love him too. I'm with you that I would very much be open to taking him in the first round. So for you to get him there was great. I wasn't gonna go back to back outfielder. I wanted to get a starter there, but I definitely looked at Tucker. I said maybe I just go Betts Tucker here and go crazy. Um, happy to get Mullins uh, the the next round there, who isn't a, a too bad. It isn't too bad at uh, uh, you know doing exactly what Tucker does with even more speed. From there, he went one of our faves, Marcus Simeon, coming off the uh, brilliant season again. He's showed that 19 isn't the fluke. Remember, there was some concern off of the two months, like because it stood out, because 19 stood out so much as an outlier, and 20 kind of got back to what he had been doing previously. It's like, well, was that the outlier? It's like, no, two months was just not enough like mm-hmm. i think we really learned how little importance we should have put on 2020 absolutely yeah like and i know we talked about it so much but i think after a while people just started leaning toward giving it more credence of calling it a season and it so wasn't i mean think about what you just said with the kyle tucker stuff imagine somebody's 2020 like that where they have the first month horrible that just tanks any capability that they have of rebounding from that like no yeah. matter how good your second month is, you wouldn't have been able to rebound from something like that. So Semyon bounces back, 41 homers, 97 ribbies, 15 for 16 on the bases with the 270 average. How much will a new spot affect him, though? It's going to affect him tremendously. If he okay. leaves Toronto, he's going to drop a bunch. Uh, and I will be here to pick up those those shares. Um, yeah. Say Where I, do you think he goes in a, in a more neutral, like medium and medium lineup, medium uh, stadium situation. I'm trying to think of a placement, but I can't off the top of my head. Unless he ends up in San Francisco, 
like that's the only place like that's a buyer that like um, I would be super worried about like maybe they decide they go after a guy like Simeon, but I, I, I wouldn't even be that worried. Though. I wouldn't be worried either. That like he, I just, I'm, the I, park's I, playing better. Yeah. And, like I just, I'm starting. San Francisco knows what they're doing, man. I'd actually be okay with that. Yeah, but, but I mean, uh, you yeah, could so, end up in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to see him back in Toronto. I hope he still resigns back in Toronto. Oh, I hope so they lock great. him up for a long term deal, uh, and they might. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't like, he, is he going to have this kind of season necessarily next year? No. But I mean, if, if I thought he was going to completely repeat, he would have been going in the first round. Um, exactly. Cause he's 41, 15. So yeah. you're thinking what, like 30 and eight. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking 30 and 10. I'm thinking 2019 is what we're looking at. Yeah. I know. I'm fine with that. I, I lowered it a little bit cause he went 33 and 10 there because he played 162. And I think it's more reasonable to mm-hmm. like put anybody for 150 off the top just to give them a little leeway so 30 and 8 is what i came up with there but yeah i i I love simeon so i'm eager to see where he goes you know it wouldn't be great for the power though if you did go to my tigers and i do think that they need to be in this in this shortstop market so we'll see we'll see what happens uh from there you got your first pitcher well your second but your first full-on pitcher Mm -hmm. uh but it was not a starter it was not. And this is going to be a theme for me is I'm going to attack closers early and often. I, I took Liam Hendricks in the fourth round uh, and Craig, uh, Craig Kimbrell in the in the sixth round, sandwiching uh, Alberto Mondesi in the fifth. Dude. Um, and then I finished off with Trevor Rogers. Uh, I mean, I love this. Like, I, I'm going to be attacking closer often, early and often uh, in drafts. I'm going to make sure I have two closers that I feel comfortable with. Uh, before I get out of the 10th round. If I want to add a third or a fourth later on, I can, with everybody else kind of piddling around in the lower end of the closer market. But I'm going to make sure I have two guys I feel comfortable with by the time I leave the 10th round. Totally agree. And this was kind of my game plan for this year. Uh, And I haven't had to worry so much about Mm -hmm. the save scramble. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't this year. My guys that I believe in this year could be among those who get uh, get flipped upside down and, and lose their jobs. But I'm going to try to put myself in a position where I don't have to allocate, you know, hundreds of my $1,000 fab into the closer market to try to stay afloat yep. there. So I like yeah, what you did there the with the difference uh, between in, in TGF by the difference between me being stuck where I'm at at sixth place and winning that league is because of closers. Didn't you take until May to get your first save, like almost legitimately? Yeah, pretty much, pretty close. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It became you know like meme. It would come on every pod. Like, do you have a save yet? Nope. <laughs> you know, and that's uh, it's a pain in the ass to deal with. And then how many wrong picks do we make? Like, exactly. that's just the nature of it too. And I, I think I, I hit on this preseason as well. But just to bring it back, like. That's the the added cost that people don't talk about enough when they say, I'll just get saves off the wire. It's like, yeah, you and everybody else, because everyone chases after them. I still bid on the closers who came in because I could always use more, and I knew Diego Castillo was always tenuous, and I knew Rich Rod was a half-season guy, but I didn't need them, so I didn't need to go crazy with them. And so that's why I'm always careful about that. I like that you, uh, you made up for letting me talk you out of Kimbrel. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think he'll go to a team where he becomes the closer? Absolutely, yeah. So wouldn't that mean that they don't take the team option? 
I can't imagine they're going to. Or no, okay. it, it's a vesting option. Oh, it and it's is. not going to vest. Oh, well, he's not going to vest because yeah, yeah. he didn't finish enough games. Yeah. So yeah, so they can just let that go. It's 16 mil. He'll latch on somewhere, age 34. Still very good. And even being a little bit bumpier with the White Sox, it's nothing that I would be terribly afraid of. It's one of those things where people are going to cite his White Sox numbers for Kimbrell and say, well, he really fell off with them. But if those were smushed into his Cubs numbers and it was just the full season, it wouldn't stand out. I don't think anything tangibly changed with the White Sox. I just think that sample is being isolated to show some of his worst work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, then you went uh, Mondesi. We need to talk about that pick. Fifth round for a guy who's played uh, five games this year. No, he's played more than that. <laughs> and but, stolen you know, 17 and bases in the, those five the, games. The craziest thing is he has 13 steals in 25 games yeah. and six homers. Exactly. So I totally understand why you're still taking him here. You better believe that I was going to take him mm -hmm. uh, if he was there. Yes, even with Wander Franco, I still would have taken him in that fifth round. That's who I put a little star next to. I pivoted to Muncie after that, which is fine. I needed some pop anyway, but I was going to go heavy power or heavy steals and then worry about power in the middle rounds of, of this theoretical draft. But you get him to go with your Otani, Tucker, and even the Semyon contribution. That's really, really good there. Do you think Mondesi can finally stay healthy or do you not know and you're just saying, I'm just gambling on it because when he does, he's going to be a god? Yeah, it's the latter. I, I have no idea if he can stay healthy. Um, it's just a matter of uh, if he can, I'm, I'm booking 70 stolen bases. And I think that I, I probably have to look and, and you know prove it more with like uh, using draft data from this year and probably even previous years, but like – I don't think fifth rounders are so set in stone that you have to be getting somebody that's like a lock. First off, there's no real such thing as a lock anyway. That uh, I just don't think that you you have to avoid doing something like this because of the volatility. I think this is a great place to do it. You can overcome a fifth round miss, mm -hmm. in my opinion, pretty easily. Yeah. So I liked the pick a lot. Like I said, I was ready to do it right, right there when you were – uh, you know, two picks later, and I, and and you took them, and I was like, "Damn it, Justin, good pick. You got me back for uh, you got me back for um, for Mullins." By the way, some guys that went in the fifth round this year: Kenta Maeda, mm -hmm. um, Marcelo Zuna. Now he was out for extraneous reasons, but a busted pick. Glaber Torres, A. Eugenio Suarez, Zach Gallen, Kevin Biggio. Now. Those are misses. I'm not saying that every team that had those guys still had success, but I guarantee you there's plenty of teams that drafted those guys Absolutely. and carried on just fine. You can afford misses. You do not have to be perfect, especially in the draft. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions when we talk about, you know, the studs of the world, like Phil, Phil Dussault having just the most amazing fantasy season ever. I think it has to be, by the way, with it what is. he's yeah. lining it, it up for. Be. Yeah. Um, and you know, he has misses the top dogs. have no, Even they, whenever you hear these top dogs talk, Dave Potts, other guys like that, they always say, Oh yeah, you'll, you'll make mistakes. You have mm -hmm. to be comfortable making mistakes. And so I like the Mondesi pick a lot. You followed it up with Kimbrell and then Rogers was your number one pitcher. Uh, you're not, uh, you're not too worried about the uh, second half. I think I agree with you because mm -hmm. I think it's just more management and they were just managing it differently instead of just a full shutdown. He had an IL stint, um, and then they'd just been four or five inning, inning him uh, through this point. 
I'm not worried about it either. I would absolutely take him where you took him. Talk to us about Trevor Rogers. Yeah, I mean, he's just been money this year, and I know this, the second half hasn't been as money as the first half was, but he's still, I mean, 271 ERA, 10 strikeouts per nine uh, in 122 and two-thirds. Um, he's just been just amazing, and there's no reason to think like he can't. And he's given up, I think, one home run in the second half. Um, now, it's only been, you know, like four starts or five starts, but still, like, he's just been so elite that, and I think people are going to kind of either fade him or forget about him. I don't know which one's which one it was in this, but to get him this late as my number one starting pitcher, I'm totally fine with, especially I think with it's the forget. offense I've built. I think it's forgetfulness. It's the recency bias of the fact that he hasn't been as good. I guarantee you when the dust settles and the analysis starts and, and mocks get going in like December, Trevor Rogers is going to be more well thought of uh, when, when the bows put on his season and we can look at it as more of a, a full picture instead of just thinking a little bit too highly about um, what's happening in the here and now. Cause I don't think that there's anything in the here and now that worries me for next year. Like I said, I think it's just straight up innings management for Rogers. I mean, yeah, he did get hurt, but like, I don't think that's a catastrophic injury that I'm worried about in the future. So I'm with you on that pick. And so that leaves you Otani Tucker, Semyon, Hendricks, Mondesi, Kimbrell, and Trevor Rogers. Hell of a team as well. I know we're uh, propping each other up here, but I'm not going to lie and say I hate it just for content. I think you, you had a great team. You took a lot of guys that I was very interested in. I knew I wouldn't get Otani, but hell, if he had been there, obviously I would have slam dunk taken him. Uh, but yeah, you took guys mostly pretty much right off my list there, except Kimbrell, because uh, I was right about how bad he was this year. I told you, dude, <laughs> I, na- I nailed that. <laughs> but uh, no, I think he did great. And these would be fun teams to kind of see how they pan out. What I really can't wait for, of course, is drafts three, four months down the road to see how much this changes and to say, remember when we got so-and-so in this round and he's four rounds more expensive or three rounds cheaper type deal? That's going to be interesting. And I think this this mock, even at, at only 10 rounds, can help start start to set the market a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we're going to be starting these uh... – too early mocks here pretty quick. I, I am going to do them. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have some of those coming up. Probably not going to start it till uh, end of the month, though. So That's fine. Yeah, October, let the season finish, get into the playoffs. Uh, any final thoughts on this here? Any any picks that stood out that you wanted to put a put a bow on discussing before we, uh, before we end it here? Uh, only two starting pitchers in the first round, but if yeah. you extend it to a 15-team first round, that's five starting pitchers. Yeah, the very first three picks of the in, including a including a pocket aces for Bubba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Burns and Burns and Bueller, by the way, for those that would be like well, Degrom not Degrom not part of that. Scherzer not a part of that. Bieber not a part of that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And what did you think about Castillo making it up to the second round? That was a lot of faith Shocking. in him, and I love Castillo. Uh, but uh, I am not as high on Castillo as everybody else. I, I still love him. I'm still in. I just don't think you need to pay that. I have him in my initial ranks as 46. So you definitely wouldn't have paid that. But don't you think you could have gotten him where he took Castellanos? Probably. And so he could have taken. I mean, he could have taken Alvarez, his third round pick, in that second spot. Somebody entirely different with the third round pick. Now, after his Alvarez pick, because this this is MLB moving average picking second in the draft, so he goes Tatis, Castillo, 
Alvarez. And then after that Alvarez pick, we're three shortstop, four shortstops. And he already has shortstop. So maybe he's just, I don't know, maybe he's just comfortable with where he's at. I think he could have taken a different starter and then Castillo could have been his second. So I like him, but I think that that was high. Anything else? Nope. I actually have to run, unfortunately. All right. No problem. Let's go ahead and cap it. Uh, Justin, great talking with you. I'll be back with you on Friday. Take it easy.